Girlfriends, welcome to another episode of Girlfriends and Goals. We're your hosts, Miosha and Samaria. This podcast is a space where we'll talk about friendships, life goals, a little bit of pop culture, and all things womanhood. Our top goal this year is to grow our podcast audience. So if you're new here or you're an avid listener of this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a five star rating, write a review, and be sure to share this episode with a girlfriend or two. All right, so we're going to start off with a segment that we don't do as often, but uh, it's called Get Into It. And for today's Get Into It, which is when we talk about something that's going on in pop culture, we're going to talk about Serena Williams, who is officially retired now. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that about a week and a half ago, Serena Williams played in the U.S. Open and she's officially out, you know, um, she's retired. So of course the podcast is called girlfriends and goals and Serena Williams is absolutely goal. So we wanted to talk about just kind of how her career has been an inspiration, Mm -hmm. how she and her family, she and her sister have been an inspiration and get into all things Serena. So yeah. What are your thoughts about Serena how she's inspired you? Yeah. So speaking of inspiration, um, Obviously, we know she's a boss on the court, but within the last, I don't know if it's been like five years, she's shown that she's a boss off the court as well. And one thing I've really been inspired by is her taking on getting into venture capitalism. Mm -hmm. And it's like she's really being about woman empowerment. So if you've been kind of following her journey in that, you know that she started this venture capital company with another woman. And what I love is that when you look at like her leadership team, it's like majority people of color, specifically black women. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of people may talk women empowerment, black women empowerment, but Serena has really shown like even off the court, I'm all about supporting women. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I love to see that. And just her getting into a space where you don't see a lot of people who look like her. And we've talked on the podcast about representation. And so, you know, when you're a star athlete, you have the money and the means, you can choose to go into any arena. Mm -hmm. But I love that she's picked a space where she's also like the face of her brand. Like she's not just tacking on to another venture capital company, but I think it's called like Serena Ventures or something like that. But she's the face of it and is providing representation for people who, women who look like us um, to be in that space. Um, And then a lot of the companies and founders that they support, I think if it's not half are Black people, I think it's very, very close to 50%. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least like 80%, I think is like underrepresented portions of the general population um, that they're supporting. So yeah, I love that about her. And then as far as, I guess, just how I've been inspired personally, and I feel like a lot of Black women can relate to this, is just how her and her sister have always shown up being unapologetically themselves. Yes, I'd imagine that being in that space in a sport where there isn't a lot of people who look like you, there's this expectation of 
people putting pressure on you to show up in a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, be humble Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of who you are. And I just love how they have always just shown up as like, hey, we're the Williams sisters. We're here. We're up in here. I just love that about them, Um, the energy that they brought to the sport. Um, And yeah, they will definitely be missed. I don't know if you heard this past like week, you mentioned Tabitha Brown, uh, her new was, show. As you were talking, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to take us too far, but yes, please talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So Samaria mentioned, I believe on the last episode that Tabitha Brown, who we also love, was going to be having her own show on Food Network. And I don't know the specifics, but long story short, uh, she was supposed to be airing at a primetime spot yep. and they bumped her to a less opportune time. One o'clock on a Tuesday <laughs> when people are at work. I, I was so livid. I was like, why would they do Auntie Tabitha like that? But I loved what she posted on her Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she basically said like, look, no network, no person, no amount of money is going to change who I am and she didn't get into the nitty-gritty of what happened but based off of what she said about not wanting to be changed and her her wanting people to just accept tab for who she is even if it's on this huge platform like the food network um that hey you're gonna have to accept me or we don't have to do business yeah we don't have to work together so I love that she embodied that Serena and Venus energy as well Yeah. And the other thing about her is a part of her story, because for 20 years, you know, she was trying to get into acting off and on and couldn't. She said that was a part of her journey where she was straightening her hair and she was not speaking the way that she would normally speak. And just being herself now has gotten her to where she is. Mm -hmm. And so now she has even more of a reason to not revert to what people want her to revert to. Like if you want somebody who has whatever features uh, or who speaks a certain kind of way or doesn't wear the bright colors or doesn't wear her hair a certain way, you can Mm -hmm. have that, but it won't be in her. And so, yeah, I I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. She was very classy with that, but you know, we put two and two together. We're like, (laughs) oh, okay. So one o'clock on a Tuesday, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. I still watch it. I'm sure it's not going to be, I don't know if there will be another season, (laughs) but I, I have committed to watching it. Um, until the end of this season, at least. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I guess back to Venus and Serena, or Serena, since yeah. we're focusing just on her. But I think one of the things that I loved about her was how she handled reporters. Hmm. I think both of them have been just landed in the media because of their bodies, because of their looks, because of, um, I don't know, their beads, their hair, like, you know, people mm-hmm. were very unkind to them in a really public way. And so I love that just as she got older, like I remember an interview uh, where somebody kind of came at her and she stopped him immediately and was like, you know, uh, please don't do that. Like, I think you owe me an apology because the way that you just handled that was very rude. And he did apologize, but it's the way that she handled it where she wasn't rude back to mm-hmm. him, but she was very direct and very firm and I don't know I just feel like she body like every bit of 
um, assertion that I need, you know, in my <laughs> life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm better now, but just seeing that back then, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is a way to handle people who are crossing you, but you don't have to get down to their level and do it. You can be very direct with them, let them know what it is that you think. And mm -hmm. in her case, she did demand um, an apology and he gave it because she deserved it. All right. right. But um, I, I really loved how they handle the media. Mm -hmm. uh, and how she has handled the media over the years. Uh, I think the other thing for me that's really big is I believe in people operating in their zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And she clearly has been like with tennis. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate that because I think when you're operating in your zone of genius, the work ethic, it's like, it hits different, you know? <laughs> like you can have a great work ethic, but when it's something that you're not passionate about, it's hard to push yourself past a certain point. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at uh, certain athletes or entertainers who are very much operating in their zone of genius, that always inspires me. Because I'm like, man, one day I would love to find that space for me. And I think mm -hmm. I'm getting closer to that, but I would love to find that space for me just so I can see all the things that I'm capable of. Because I feel like you don't know unless you're in that zone how much you can push yourself in and what you can do. Yeah. And I did have one more thing, so I'm going to just say the last thing was mm -hmm. I appreciated her speaking out about what the events around her pregnancy. Because yes. I think it sent the message that if Serena freaking Williams, <laughs> right, can go to a hospital and be treated like her concerns and her body and her pain aren't as important, it really shed light on what common Black women are experiencing and dealing with. And so the fact that she was vulnerable with the world about that and just mm -hmm. really called, uh, shed light on that particular issue, I was just like in love all over again. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Serena, speak for us. So yeah, those mm -hmm. are the things that I just really admire about, about her. Yeah, because I think many women in the spotlight mm -hmm. they it can be easy to retreat imagine you're the greatest athlete in your sport mm -hmm. and while being vulnerable can be healing yeah it you know it can also be humbling as well to be so vulnerable and yeah. let the world know like this is you know what I've come through because many people will see it like wow like Serena is the best she's so strong we're so thankful that she made it through it but because of all the scrutiny and just everything that they've been through, not everyone would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and being like, oh, okay, are you as great as you yeah. are if you could go through an experience like that? Yeah, but like you said, the scrutiny too. So if you're if you're coming out and speaking out against that type of stuff, people mm -hmm. uh tend to want to believe, oh, this person's just playing a victim or whatever. And it's like, despite all the critiques that could have come be um, behind her making that announcement and talking about her pregnancy like she still went on and did it and mm -hmm. I, I don't know I, I just appreciate it light being um, shed on that for sure yeah definitely all right so <sighs> the greatest athlete of all time I think um, yeah she will I definitely be missed but I will say I'm very excited for the next chapter for her yeah and that she can go through her next pregnancy motherhood experience hopefully without feeling pressure hmm. to get back 
you know, like just have your baby enjoy that moment and not be on a timeline Mm. of, oh, I have to get back to this thing that requires like a great deal of physical, you know, sacrifice and strain, you know, to get there, even with passion. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to her going through that experience and just being in the moment as we talked about. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot believe we just like, we witnessed history because they've been playing since I was a a small, Mm -hmm. small child. So and I just can't believe like we witnessed history and I'm not a huge tennis fan. So really the only time I watched tennis was when she was playing or when Venus was playing. Uh, And, you know, like I don't know if I'll really be watching much now, but, you know, we still have like Coco and Coco. And so I'm going to try, but really they were just so entertaining to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We we shall see. Yeah. All right. So we're going to jump into the topic for today, which is, can this friendship recover? So we've talked about it on this podcast a few times, like where there are friendship breakups that can happen, or there are moments where, you know, you're just not in the right place in certain relationships. And today we kind of want to talk through what it means for a friendship to recover. So you've gone through something with a friend and or family member, and it's not always as easy as, okay, well, we'll both get over it and then we'll be fine. Like some things cut really deep and they might have you wondering like, okay, can we actually come back from this, you know, Mm -hmm. this valley in our friendship or in our relationship? And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we want to talk about um, today is can friendships recover? And if so, so how do we go about doing that at these ages and at these stages of, of life? So I'm going to just ask you, can you think of any situation where you kind of had to ask yourself that question of, can we come back from this or, or are we done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. And what made the situation, I guess, more difficult was that nothing big happened. It was kind of a situation where we were just slowly not talking as much, but I was still putting forth a lot of effort and interest in the friendship. And so during that time of us not communicating as much, I definitely did wonder like, hmm, I wonder if we'll ever really be close again. Mm -hmm. And then the next question was, do I even want that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, now in talking about it, it feels more lighthearted, but I guess during that time, it was definitely weighing on me of like the uncertainty of like, I don't know. I think I feel more comfortable knowing, just getting to the place of, okay, we're done. Yeah. Versus being like, well, I don't know. It could be, Mm -hmm. it just felt very uneasy. I can relate to that. Because I feel like when you're in the (laughs) in-between, the in-between, like, you almost want to rush it a little bit. Like, okay, I would rather just have this be done because then I know something certain. Mm -hmm. And I've caught myself a few times in that space where I'm like, okay, well, by this date, I'm going to (laughs) decide what I want because I just don't like this feeling of being in flux. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I like certainty I like you know if this is gonna work these are the steps we're taking like I don't like any type of situation where I'm unsure about what is next yeah and also what adds pressure is during that time when you have other people 
who may be close to the friendship or relationship that are asking you or asking the other person. And it's like, well, you don't really know what to say because especially in my situation, since nothing big had happened, Mm -hmm. I found it hard to, I found it hard to explain because Uh people's reaction is, well, what happened? It's like, well, (laughs) nothing specific is like having the whole oh we're going apart conversation yeah but uh yeah the pressure from other people because then that makes it even more urgent like well maybe I do need to do something about this right now versus having to answer to people about why you're in this space of not knowing yeah would you feel like or have you felt like the pressure is mostly people wanting y'all to fix it and be on one accord yes and them just being, I think, nosy, like what happened? <laughs> a little bit of both, you know, them just kind of wanting to know, like, well, spill the tea. What's yeah. going on? Um, but also where if once they find out what happened, a lot of times people take the route of, well, y'all can just get over it. Y'all can just fix it. And you may be in the space of, well, you don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like you weren't, you weren't there. You weren't in my shoes. You didn't feel the feelings that I felt. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, but I don't think people have been like, oh, you need to fix this immediately. Mm. I think it was a situation where people were like, (laughs) if anything, girl, you might need to go ahead and make your exit (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Which is even, which is, that makes it hard too, because you're like, well, I don't know if I want it to be over. (laughs) You don't know the things I've experienced with this person and how like, you know, this relationship, how much this relationship means to me, how much this friendship means. So yeah, it's also very difficult from that point too. I don't know, people make things confusing, but what I will say with the the benefit of having other people Mm -hmm. was that I think I have the tendency to just be like, oh, it'll be fine. Like I get over things almost too quickly. Mm. And so like recently I've been trying to fix that a little bit <laughs> where I'm like, okay, give yourself the space to feel a full range of emotions. You don't always have to be like, it's okay. Like I'll get over it or I'm over it. Like nobody's asking you to do it. Nobody's chasing you down mm-hmm. and forcing you to be that way. Yeah. So you'd say at this point in your life or before that you're pretty good about forgiving people and moving on. Yes, but (laughs) (laughs) define moving on. Well, you said you're, you can easily get over things or forget about things. So I, I think a portion of that is somewhat forgiving them if you're able to kind of move on from it and interact with them and keep it moving. So I'd say like, you're pretty good at forgiving people. I think for the most part, yes, especially if I feel like, okay, we're on the same page moving forward, you know, Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, this person has apologized for their actions, or we've like come to some type of, we're on the same page at Mm -hmm. this, at this stage. So there's no point in holding on to it. Mm -hmm. So let me just let it go and move forward. Okay. So yeah. How about, how about you with the forgiveness thing? Are you like good at it? Not so good. I think that I am good at it, okay. but I think other people would say that I'm not. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay. So let's see. Why why do you think other people would say you're not? <laughs> because depending on what's happened, 
Okay. I can move on from a situation and not feel angry with a person yeah. or uh, wish them bad, bad energy or have yeah. a vendetta against them. I can move on in that way from like an emotional standpoint from mm. what's happened, but that doesn't mean that I still want to be around this person. Mm-hmm. It could be a result of what happened or maybe something was revealed where it made me question like the relationship and do I still need it? Maybe not from that specific thing of me being angry, Yeah, but I know that I can move on quote unquote from something because I'm not going to stew yeah. over it. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't equate to me still maybe wanting to keep the same type of relationship, be in the same type of communication. And so I think for some people, they say, oh, well, you're not over it yet. Or you're still mad about it. Or why can't you get over it? Uh, so to me, I feel like I can forgive people. Yeah. But I've had situations where things have happened. And maybe I've even just become disinterested. Like I'm not calling as much or being like, hey, let's hang out or just wanting to be around them. Not because I'm angry. I guess in a sense, I'm just kind of turned off. But some people would equate that to, oh, well, you haven't really forgiven that person because you haven't moved on to the way things used to be. Okay. So by your definition, moving on just means I'm not, I'm not studying them anymore. Like I'm not focused on the thing that was done and how mm-hmm. it impacts me, I'm not giving that particular event any more energy. Right. So moving on isn't necessarily, okay, we've resolved, we've squashed our beef and now we're back in the same relationship or in a similar relationship. And it could, yeah. d- depending on what they did. Yeah. Because I have had situations in life where I've done something or they've done something and we're like, oh, okay, we talked about it. Now we're, we're cool. We're cool again. And things yeah. are how they were, but sometimes no. And I think people take that as, oh, well, Miosha's not forgiving people. Hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm not losing no sleep at night. I can't, <laughs> you know, I just, especially I think um, with like friendships, mm-hmm. family, I think it's a little bit different, but you know, you can pick and choose how you spend your time and where and, I think with friendships, you can definitely find yourself in a space of, okay, this thing has happened or repeat things have happened. Yeah. You're not angry, but you maybe don't want to spend your free time with that person anymore. No, you're absolutely right. Just because you've forgiven somebody, that doesn't mean that you're willing to put the same energy into that relationship as you have in the past. Some things you can't come back from. And when I say come back from, I mean... If we were doing A and B before this, our relationship might not be an A A and B relationship anymore. It might be a C and D relationship mm-hmm. where, you know, those days are gone, where we were all super chummy and doing everything at the same time and together and all of that. So I definitely get that. Like not not everything can you come back from and be the same way that you were before. And honestly, in a lot of things, you shouldn't come back and be the same way that you were before because lessons need to be learned so yeah so for you what are some signs where you just know like girl we're not gonna come back from this yeah I uh, so I have a few of these and I think one of them is if it feels like the other person maybe got some type of satisfaction when they hurt me or did the Mm. thing that was harmful to me you know so 
for example, like, oh, I did this to get back at you and I'm happy that I got back at you secretly because, um, you know, you did this to me and that hurt my feelings. That I can't deal with because I'm like, okay, I'm not a perfect human being. So there are mm -hmm. going to be things that I might not do well in the future. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that you won't come and years from now, bring that information back up and use it to get revenge. Yeah. You know? And so that's one of the, one of the things that I would look out for. Like, is this person satisfied that they did the whole payback thing? Mm. Because I don't operate like that. If I care about you, I have zero room in my space for that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think another thing that's kind of related to that is if it seems like they harbor like bad feelings about me in general. Mm. Because if if I didn't do anything wrong and you still feel that way, you still have some type of bad feelings, what exactly am I supposed to do? Like try to convince you to see me differently. If you see me in a negative light, then see me in a negative light. Like don't, yeah. <laughs> don't try to force a relationship because we already had one or anything like that. Just see me the way that you see me because I'm not going to beg anyone to see me differently than they've already decided they're going to see me. If yeah. you made a choice to think I'm X, Y, Z, okay, stand in that choice. It's probably not true, <laughs> but stand in that choice and don't try to come around me when you know that's how you feel deep down and play like we're all chummy. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the same thing for me too. Like <laughs> I will try, Yeah, but if I know you're the type of person to hold on to stuff, mm -hmm. eventually I'm going to be like, okay, well, girl, I'm going to let you hold it. And I'm yeah. just going to have to move on. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't want to put in the work, especially if it's something that I've done. Mm -hmm. But I think because it's a friendship and not a marriage, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, there's lines in the sand. Like you see a person trying, but mm -hmm. I know some people, it can be harder for them to move past certain things. Yeah. And who am I to tell you or to force your hand that you need to move on? It's like when people try to tell you like, oh, you shouldn't be mad anymore. I'm not going to do that, but I might distance myself eventually yeah how are you gonna tell me and to your point about the whole marriage I wouldn't marry anybody like that either <laughs> like, I, I think it's important in the early stages to see okay how how long does this person hold on to things are they willing to start afresh each new day you know or are they holding on to things and I'm hearing about it every time there's any type of issue so yeah mm -hmm. I, I think for me I just want to make sure the person is still for me you know, that the person is still willing to support me. They're thinking positive things about me. They think the best of me despite my faults. I want to make sure they're still in my corner 100%. And if there's any doubt in that for me, mm -hmm. then I'm just not comfortable with being in as close of a space with them. Yeah. Yeah. So that that could definitely tear up a whole friendship for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah for me the one thing I'd say is if we're having conflict mm -hmm. and it's about something core about either of us okay our personalities the way that we operate and it involves maybe like repeat 
incidences, mm-hmm. that's a sign for me that, yeah, this probably isn't going to recover because us recovering may require either one of us to make a pivotal change about a piece of us that we're not willing to. So it would be like me having conflict with Samaria about a certain aspect of her personality Mm. and it's causing an issue in our friendship. Well, if this keeps coming back up, am I really going to ask her to change who she is as a person Mm. just so that we can remain friends going forward? So for me, that's a sign like, "Mm, this probably isn't going to recover because I don't think one, I don't know that people should have to make major changes like that unless it's like, some extreme behavior obviously I'll make a I'll make a major change for you Mia. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> I would okay I just want it on record <laughs> <laughs> but honestly I don't think I would expect that from you yeah you know especially in a friendship and even a romantic relationship if you notice that there's something about this person absolutely yeah and it, and it keeps coming back up like you can release them and move on to someone where you just have more compatibility so that's so funny because when you talked about a romantic relationship I'm like oh yeah absolutely no changes for them <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to you I'm like oh I'll make that change <laughs> no that's I'm joking guys <laughs> yeah yeah it's like I think that's a lot of pressure to put on people and you know, you know how you have friends that'll come vent to you, you know, if a situation has happened. Mm-hmm. And I've had times where a friend is maybe vented about something. And sometimes I go, I get to the conclusion of like, I think that's just how this person is or mm. what they like, or it's just who they are. So you have to decide, like, if I'm not okay with that, mm-hmm. then you move on. And I've been in a situation like that where something came up more than once yeah and I got to the point where I'm like I don't think this is gonna recover and I don't want it to because I don't want to go through this again this is just kind of who this person is how they are either I'm going to accept it and be friends with them or move on I feel like that's such a key part is I don't want it to recover (laughs) and I think it's it's a key part but it is also a very awkward space to be in because you know all the reasons why you should want to recover it and you maybe even know the steps that it will take but just at that point in the friendship in your life you can't bring yourself to do it and you don't want to force yourself in that moment I'm not saying like five years from now Mm -hmm. you might not feel like it but in that particular moment with where you are and with the circumstances that you find that you find yourself in it just does not make sense for you to extend yourself in that way right yeah um and I I I think people should honor that space (laughs) honestly (laughs) hey I just you know I don't think this is for me right now I don't want this to recover because there's too much or maybe that other person has some work to do that I can't be around for. Like they mm-hmm. have to realize, hey, I have to do this work and then we can circle back in five to 10 <laughs> and mm-hmm. see see what's up. So yeah, as because you mentioned like friendships versus family, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think you would hold those two in the same space? So 
if you were in a friendship and you just don't feel like dealing with that thing anymore, you don't want it to recover, you'd be okay, you'd be comfortable with moving on. How do you feel about it if it's a family situation? If it's family, it's definitely harder, right? Because there's a lot of history there, there's blood there, there's other family members who won't let the situation go probably because they may be privy to it. So I think the pressure is just different. Mm. I think for me, it would just depend on the circumstances of what's happened. Yeah. Because I think even with family, there are some things that you can't come back from. You'll still be family, but as we talked about in the cutting people off episode, like sometimes even with family, you have to make those hard decisions, even though that's not something that I would advocate for. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's like a really like worst case, last case Same. scenario. Mm -hmm. But I do think that I have, I don't know if it would be lower standards when it comes to family okay in terms of recovering situations and relationships I think mm. my expectations are just a little bit lower because not to say that I'm like this because I like to think that I treat my family very well <laughs> but I do think that there can sometimes be this attitude of oh well it's family they're always going to be there and if you're kind of raised in that type of attitude or environment I think we can often take familial relationships for granted mm -hmm. and so there can be a little bit of laziness and laxness with doing the work to recover could be on both sides um could be yeah. the offender or the, the person on the uh, defense so I feel like I have higher expectations for family really mm. I do uh, I feel like I have higher expectations I expect uh, accountability. Mm. I expect, you know, some type of effort. Now, the danger in that is when I realize that I should have had lower expectations. <laughs> like <laughs> When people show you, oh, no, you should not have had these high expectations. But I do think I have those expectations because of just like who I am. And mm -hmm. depending on how close that person is to me, just how I operate. I, I don't want to say I expect me from people, mm. but in a sense, if you, you know, were a part of my life and contributed to where I am now, I expect you to be able to see where, you know, you need to put in some effort or you need to have, you know, you need to raise, raise your bar a little bit and, you know, come, come through with the accountability and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think because yeah, they know who they're dealing with. So come correct. Yeah, so I, I, I have higher expectations, but that doesn't mean those are always met. And then yeah. I'm in the tough situation where I have to decide, okay, you had expectations for this person based on who they've presented themselves um, themselves to be, but now you have to really adjust that and bring it back down. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. So what do you feel like you need to see? And it could be family or friends, but mm -hmm. what do you feel like you need to see in terms of other people's actions? So you talked about your expectations and mm -hmm. maybe not expecting people to be you, but yeah. they know who they're dealing with. But what do you need to see to, in order to help you decide like, okay, this can recover? Yeah. With my friendships, 
and family, but mostly we're talking about friendships. I just want to see true remorse. Mm. And when I say remorse, I'm not saying like you have to fall down, you know, to my, at my feet and do any, like, I don't expect that, but a true desire to never get back to where we were. Mm. A true desire to never get back to that bad place, you know? And I think what comes with that is holding yourself accountable and seeing what ways you contributed to us getting to that space. And then me doing the same thing and just knowing and showing that you're going to do your part to prevent that type of confrontation, that type of conflict again. Mm-hmm. That That's what I would need to see. And I think it takes time in some instances to show that, you know, but if you aren't even willing to try to show that type of, that, that would be an issue for me. And I think the second thing is space for me to decide, you know, what I want. And if I want, if something was done to me now, I would want just a space to see where things are. If we Mm -hmm. don't have to go from one extreme to the, to the other immediately, just give me the time, give me the space. And I think a lot of times people find their way back to each other. So. Yeah. I'm with you on the remorse thing for me. If that is missing, it's almost a guarantee that we probably won't recover just -hmm. because I feel like the lack of remorse, it makes me fearful of you repeating the behavior. The fear is always there. I think to a certain extent, because they've done it. So Mm. I think it's natural to have it a little bit in the back of your mind, like, oh, this, at least, you know, it's a possibility when something's been done, but the lack of remorse really puts it at the forefront of my mind of, oh, this could definitely be something you'll repeat because you can't even be remorseful about it. And you saw no, here's the thing. You saw no issue with it. Like you don't get what went wrong. And that's really scary. It is. And I've been through through a situation where the person has shown like zero remorse. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had to explain to people around me like, hey, us getting back to a good place or where we were isn't because I'm mad about the specific things. It's the yeah. lack of remorse that's scary for me. Mm-hmm. Because then I start to question a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> My mind just gets to going like, wait, yeah, you can't, you're missing this piece. So then what about this, this, and this, and this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, it's like, my feelings aren't a priority. And that's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah, and accountability too. Um, we talked about a lot this a lot on the last few episodes of Married at First Sight. And I've been the one on our recaps on YouTube. Y'all should be watching in case you're not. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I've been the one harping on the lack of accountability in a few of the people. And that's big for me as well to at least acknowledge your part. Because when I'm in the space of, oh, I've done something to someone, the first thing I do is like follow my sword and be like, I did it. I'm sorry. (laughs) It it was me. To me, that's step number one. So if you miss that, it's just like the remorse piece is like, oh, this can easily be repeated. Yeah. When you decide to recover a friendship with somebody, What does that conversation even look like? And what should the expectation be? So, you know, if you are the one in the wrong. Okay. Okay. And you're like, okay, I need to try to recover this 
this friendship? Mm -hmm. What types of things are you saying in that conversation? And what is your expectation going into the conversation? Well, my expectations going into the conversation really depends on how I've observed that person Mm. handled this type of situation before it could have been with me or with another person okay if I've been privy to that I will say that I'm keeping that in mind Mm -hmm. and as far as how the conversation would go if I'm in the wrong I would apologize first but also going into it with the expectation of hey they can decide or not whether they want this going forward the ball is kind of in their court A part of that conversation will obviously be the apology, me finding out like what their apology and reconciliation language is. Mm -hmm. So I may have observed them with maybe another person, but maybe the situation was different. So ask questions about like what their expectations are as far as like what they're looking for me to kind of settle this, to see if it's something that I'm able to do or capable to do. And if I am, and I'm really interested in recovering their friendship, then I'll let them know like, hey, I'm willing to do that. Um, If not, then I would have to find a way to say like, oh, I don't know if that's feasible. Not that I'm not interested in the friendship, but it just would depend on what their expectations are. Because I've kind of gone into a conversation like that where I was in the wrong on something and I knew this person um, was the type to kind of hold on to things. Mm So my expectations were kind of low. I still tried. I was successful, but my expectations were kind of low. Like, okay, you know the person that you're dealing with. So it is what it is. It's been done. You can do what you can, but also you know who you're dealing with. So, yeah, I think my expectation would be the same as yours, where it's like, okay, I'm going into this conversation and it's really up to this person because I was in the wrong, whether they forgive me or not and whether they want to continue that relationship. So I would go in kind of thinking if this isn't something they want, that's perfectly fine. I have to be okay with that Mm -hmm. and go in anyway. You know, because what's important, I think what would be important to me in this situation is just being able to express what my intent was. And that goes into kind of how the conversation would flow for me. One thing that I would absolutely say is, and this is very vulnerable, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I really value this friendship. I really want to keep this friendship going. And I realize my actions have led you to believe that that's not the case but I'm willing to do what needs to be done to make this work. And I understand if you need space and time, and I understand if if that's not something that you want, but just know that it is something that I want. It is something that I'm willing to work towards if you'll allow me. And it kind of puts you in a situation where you're the one asking for forgiveness. Like you're Mm -hmm. kind of downplaying yourself in a way. And that's a vulnerable place to be because they can be, they can be like, okay, girl, thanks, but no thanks. And (laughs) you just have to be okay. You put all your feelings out there and now they turned you down. But Mm -hmm. I think if this is something you definitely want, and that's why you have to decide for a fact that you want it (laughs) before having this conversation. But if it's something that you absolutely want, then I don't see a problem in being vulnerable like that. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, reassuring them of your intent. Yeah. And letting them know that, that, hey, I'm still here for you. Yeah, I still care about you. I'm still in your corner. Because 
you know, when these things happen, it can be easy to question like, okay, is this person here for me? Or was this just a one-off or just the first a one Yeah, the first disappointment, you know, not like, oh, this person has ill will against mm-hmm. me. You Motivate. Know, have, okay. No, I was just going to say, I have a friend who uh, constantly shows up late and things like that. <laughs> uh, and the one thing that keeps me hanging on, right? Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't even say hanging on because I'm all in. But the one thing that keeps me there is if this person didn't show up for me today, that means something bigger was going on because there Mm -hmm. is no way that this person wouldn't show up for me. So because I have the confidence in that and the confidence in our relationship, because I know this person is in my corner for real, for real, Mm -hmm. you know, not to like make excuses for them, but it does help me excuse a lot because I, I remember days in recent times where this person would drop everything to be there for me or, Mm -hmm. you know, would do more than I even could expect, you know? So yeah, if you have the confidence that that person's in your corner, that really changes a lot of your outlook (laughs) on, on actions. Yeah. I had a friend who missed a pretty big event, Mm -hmm. um, in my life and, I didn't feel any type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was remorseful. She was sorry. And I think she thought that I was going to be more mad yeah. than I was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I didn't care because I definitely wanted her to be there. Yeah. But like you said, you kind of reflect on the totality of the person's support yes. and them being there and, you know, just giving them grace for when life happens. Sure. Um, but yeah, like, having that history there is also a different motivation for when these things come up. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Girlfriends and Goals podcast. You've heard our thoughts on this topic, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Girlfriends and Goals podcast, where we'll continue this conversation over the next week. If you haven't subscribed already, please go ahead and do that now. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Until next time, bye. Bye.